morning. Can you uh, turn to your neighbor and uh, say good morning? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, Pastor Dennis, thank you for the opportunity uh, inviting me once again. I I'm always under the impression that every time he invites me, he escapes. He runs away to somewhere. And it, I, is it the first time that I'm speaking here and you're here? Praise God. I praise God for your friendship. Thanks, guys, for ha having a pastor, Pastor Dennis, who actually ministered to us. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know us yet, we, we are, we're new here in Canada, and um, the Lord has called us here to join the force. It's, a, it's been an exciting time, a, a time of learning for us. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Canada, but um, it's the same Lord we're serving uh, wherever, and it's amazing how He moves and works in different ways, and uh, the Lord sends us people that we need, people that, we, that would bless us and encourage us, and you guys have just been an encouragement for us. Our group started actually meeting in this very sanctuary last month, and it's been a it's been a blessing. Last week, we had 10, 10 new people who, who came and visited us for the first time, and it's, it's, it's been a blast. And uh, we praise the Lord because He is actively on the move all the time, all the time. And we have the awesome privilege of being able to work alongside Him. Every 1.51 in the afternoon, 1.51 p.m., my alarm, my phone sets off an alarm, and I am reminded to pray for people groups that are called UUPG, Unengaged, Unreached People Groups. And it's a very important uh, uh, P, uh, uh, group. It's a very important set of people in, in our hearts, in my wife and my heart, because in the heart of God, the mission of God is to bless the whole world, to, that every nation Every people group in the world is going to be represented in that great assembly of worshipers that we read in Revelations. And out of the 17,400 people groups around the world today, do you guys, are you guys familiar with the numbers? Do you know how many remain unengaged? Unengaged meaning these people groups have no known believers. There's no Bible translation. There's no missionary. There's no worker. There's no church. If you were born in one of these people groups, these places around the world, you're going to live and die without ever having the chance to hear the name of Jesus, the most glorious name, the most beautiful name we know. Can you imagine? I'm deeply offended by the fact that there are still people groups around the world who haven't heard the name of Jesus. And out of the 17,400 people groups around the world, 151 remain unengaged. That's why every 1.51 in the afternoon, I am reminded to pray for them. There's one people group in Japan. It's called the Yoron people group. And the Yoron people group is a, is a very small people group. And they, they have no witness. There, there's no Yoron church. There's no, uh, Yoron, there's no known Yoron believer. And two weeks ago, I was talking to a bunch of pastors and we're like, can we send one of us to go to Japan and reach out? to the Euron people group, and one of, one of the pastors were actually <laughs> considering, and we're so excited. Maybe in the next couple of months, he, uh, we're, we're going to prepare, and we're going to, I don't know what God is going to do, but guys, I am excited about this because Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom, the glorious message of the gospel is going to be preached to the whole world as a testimony to every single nation, and then the end will come. That's what he says. 
It's very important that we keep focusing on the task before us. And what's very exciting is, because, is, is the fact that I really believe that in this generation, in our generation, we can finish the task. We can finish the task. Maybe before the 2,000th year anniversary of the Lord Jesus Christ giving the very clear commission, go and make disciples not of some nations, not of most of the nations, Pantata ethne, matetusate pantata ethne. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's happening, guys. The question is are we going to actively take part? Are we excited to actually finish the task? I hope and pray that before 2,000 years, uh, the, the anniversary of the Lord giving the Great Commission, the church having been given a clear mandate and all the resources that we need, we actually have, we will finish the task. We will finish the task. I'm excited about that. Thank you, Martin, for leading us in those songs. You know, last night, I couldn't sleep. I think it was about um, midnight. And, and so, you know, when, when, you, when you can't sleep at night, sometimes it's probably the Lord, you know, trying to talk to you and wants you to spend some time with him, read the word. So what I do, I open my, my Bible and I turn to Genesis chapter 2. And, um, and I know now why, because the, one of the songs that we sang, the, the phrase that reverberated to me was the, the phrase, it's your breath in our lungs. That's the very verse that the Lord led me to last night. I was, I was reading about how the Lord made human alive. Made, made Adam alive. It's in, you guys remember this? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. That's how he became alive. God breathing his breath into us. And it's a very interesting Hebrew word, that breath. And I, last night I said, okay, where, where are the other instances where this word breath is mentioned in the Bible? And behold, in, in Proverbs, if you have your Bibles with you, in Proverbs chapter 20, the very same word was used. Only this time it's translated differently, most, most uh, probably in your Bibles. In, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, this, it says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. Hold on, Pastor, where's the breath there? Well, the breath there is the word that's translated the spirit of man. And if you guys are familiar with the, the Hebrew of this word, in the Hebrew thought, there's no different words for breath, for spirit, for wind. It's all the same word. It's all the same word. It's synonymous. They use the word interchangeably. To, to mean those, those three things that are very different for, for us during our time. And so, what this tells us is the very beginning when God created us, He breathed into us His, His breath, His Spirit. Right? And that's what makes us alive. That's what separates us from all the animals. They're, li they're alive biologically, but we are alive spiritually. We who are created in the image of God, he, he, God sets you apart. You are given a great mandate. And God is going to be in us, with us, His life, His very life, making us alive. But we know that didn't continue to happen. God said, in the day that you eat of this, remember this story? You will surely die. And I asked people, did they die that day? Did they die? 
And a lot of people say, they didn't die that day. No, they died that day. Because the very Spirit of God, I think, departed from them. They continued living biologically, but the life, the life of God that He has given them, departed from them that day. They were banished from the garden, and from then on, the image of God marred and broken in us, and we're not able to live the way that God has intended for us to live. But Jesus came to restore that. Jesus came to restore us back into fellowship with God. And now we can live again with His breath in us. That's why the, 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 the word that replaced disciple in the New Testament is the word in Him. And, in, and Him in us. That's how the New Testament writers most frequently describe believers. If you're a believer, you're in Christ. And Christ is in you. It's a great thing. That's why, do you guys remember the first thing that Jesus gave to his disciples after he resurrected from the dead? What's the first thing that Jesus gifted to his disciples? He breathed on them. Remember this story? He breathed them then, and then he said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. He gives us back that which we have lost in the garden. And so, you know, when I was growing up, I used to think, okay, you... If you, want to, if you want to receive Jesus, and, and you want to, it's because in the future, when you die, you're going to be given life. And in a sense, that is true. Eventually, I realized and I understood, no, 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 the Bible teaches right now I'm dead. Without him, I am dead. We are all born spiritually dead, separated, apart from God. We're alive biologically, but we are dead spiritually. And the intention of God in redeeming us, in saving us, is to give us life. Right now, He gives us life. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are a child of God, if you have professed, made Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then you are alive right now. And that life is not an ordinary life. It's the life, it's the very life of Jesus. The life that you have as a Christian is Jesus' very own. It's a person. The life that we have as a Christian is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. He who has the Son has what? He has eternal life. That's the quality of Jesus' life. Eternal life. And that life, once you have it, is going to persist through all eternity. Eternal life. We are alive today. You guys believe that? We, are all, we have been made alive in Jesus. And we can start living once again the way that God has intended for us to live. How? How is that? It's called the Christian life. The Christian life, some of you probably already know, it's not easy. But a lot of you would probably also know that the Christian life is neither difficult. It is an impossible thing. You cannot live the Christian life. But I know a person who can, and his name is Jesus. And this is the very Jesus in whom we have unity right now. He is the one who is going to live in us and live for us and continue to live out his life through us. And the way that it's going to happen is by faith. You see, we initiate, we begin the Christian life by faith, and we continue the Christian life by faith. Jesus, Paul, Paul, if you're going to ask the Apostle Paul, Paul, 
How are you living your life? How are you able to do these things that you're, 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 you're doing? And, and you're going, you can read his answer to that question in Colossians chapter 1. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. That's, that's how he's thinking. Right? Because if you ask, well, what do you mean, Paul? Well, well uh, it's like this. I have already been crucified with Christ. What? You're crucified with Christ? What do you mean? You're, I'm talking to you right now, Paul. What, what do you mean I'm crucified? Well, yeah, I'm here, but I'm no longer living. The life that I live in this body, I simply live it by faith. By faith in whom? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's the Christian life. The Christian life is recognizing our deadness and following Jesus on that cross to be crucified, to reckon yourself dead, and hence allow Jesus to live in you by faith. So that every morning, every day, you have this amazing privilege to say, Lord, this is your body. This is your hand. <laughs> you have given me this heart, this mind, this, this body parts, this, and, and I'm going to allow you to use me today. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you so that whatever it is you want to do, you are going to do it through me. That's the Christian life. It's a life lived by faith, moment by moment. And at times when we don't live by faith, well, the, the other alternative is we revert back to our living by flesh, trusting ourselves, our own wisdom, our own strength, our own energy, our own life. But no, no, no. Paul says, when Christ, who is your life, now appears, then you shall also appear with him in glory. He is our life. The person, the reason why we are alive, the, the reason why we have eternal life is because a person lives in us as children of God. How then should we live? How do we do this? Well, he gives this advice in Colossians chapter 2, and I invite you to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. There's a very small verse, well, two verses here. In chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, he says, Therefore, after arguing, after explaining to them, that the, the mystery is now revealed. What is that mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. It's been, it's been the mystery that is now revealed. We know that this has been God's plan all along. So now, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Everybody say, walk in Him. Walk in Him. That's it. That's the key. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. In thanksgiving. Walk in Him. Well, I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty, that can be a pretty confusing statement, right? You walk on something. That's the correct preposition to use, right? On. You walk on. Well, it's easier actually in the, in, for Filipinos, guys. We only have one preposition for everything, right? If you want to say in, in, on, over, under, around, we have one word for everything, for all those prepositions. It's sa. 
Say sa. See, you have learned a lot of Filipino words already. <laughs> Where are you going? Sa, sa building, sa mall, sa ba, sa, ho, sa house. <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, speaking Taglish. We call it Taglish. You know, we con- combine Tagalog and English. Well, we have one preposition for, for the many confusing prepositions you have in English. If you think English prepositions are confusing, try Greek. Greek is so much more confusing. It's a very precise language, so the, the preposition really matters. And here, the preposition that's used is in. In. How do you walk in something? In the first place, do you walk in? You don't walk on someone, right? We don't normally say that. And yet, this is what the Apostle Paul says. You walk in Him as you have received Jesus, so walk in Him. And this morning, I want to share with you four things that is involved, included, in, in what it means to walk in Him. And the first one is, we walk for Him. We live and walk for Him. This is the purpose why God redeemed you. This is the purpose why He saved you. In the first place, this is the purpose why He has created you for the praise of His glory. Amen? For His glory. That's why God has created you. Colossians 1.16, He has created all things by Him and through Him and for Him. It's all for Him. God has created this world, the heavens, the earth, the trees, the mountains, the rocks, the fish, the animals, and the apex of His creation, you and me. Creatures that were created above all else, created in the very image of God. Did you, did you notice the, the, the verse that I, I quoted first in Genesis 2? How, how complicated you are. Almighty God, it took three steps to, to make you. Three steps. Everything else, He just spoke into being. Right? Let there be. And then there was. And then it was, it was so. And then it was good. You guys remember? All throughout creation. That's the phrase. And God said, and it was so, and it was good. And God said, and it was so, and it was good. So easy for God. Right? Not, not that we are difficult to create, but it just points to tell us how, how much intention God has put in us. First, He had to made, make dust. Then He has to form us. Then He breathes His life into us and makes us alive. Special. The apex of His creation. And what's our purpose? To reflect Him. To bear His image. So that if the world wants to know what the Creator is like, He would look at us and he would, they would see God's character. What God is like. We were created in His image. And yet we have forfeited that great privilege of living that way because of our sin, because of our rebellion. There is no way that we can bear the image of God without God himself. And so when God banished them, parted from them, there's no way they're going to live out to that purpose. But now we can live for him. Now that we are in union with Jesus, we can once again live for the very purpose for which he has created us and redeemed us for the praise of his glory. To walk in Jesus is to live for Jesus. To do everything that you're doing for His glory. And we're not talking about big ministry. We're not talking about grand activities. We're talking about eating and drinking. 
We're talking about walking and jogging and driving. We're talking about talking with people. You do everything for Him. Last week, someone texted me, Bro, can I meet with you? I know, I know this guy is going to, tell, to, to, to try to sell me something. But I prayed, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with this person? Okay, meet, meet him. I'm going to meet this person. Right? In my busy schedule, I was going to meet. I, long story short, I ended up meeting the person four hours that day. Bro, that was the time we met in the evening. The morning, four hours. Completely disrupted my schedule. But it's okay. Because the Lord led me to talk to this person. You know what? We talked most of the time. Okay, first hour, we talk about his agenda. The last three hours, we talk about being disciple of Jesus. And at the end of our conversation, this guy was like, bro, I've been coming to church. I've been a Christian all my life, but I've never understood what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Can you disciple me? I'm going to think about it. I said, I need to charge you or something. (laughs) But you see the point. You're being sensitive to what God wants you to do. That's living for him. Right? Your body, your time is no longer yours. It's for his use. So don't be, you know, be ready for, for God to interrupt your life. Have the space. You know, last week too, that very evening as well before our meeting, I was meeting with three guys and I was teaching them how to do a prayer calendar. So a prayer calendar is, so one of the, one of the 10 skills that I train my disciples to do is to list, 30 people. 30 people. Have a list of 30 people. And the reason why it's 30 is so that you have one person for every day. And that person, every day, you're going to think about that person, pray for that person, and try to connect with that person throughout the day, and pray with that person. And so I was training these this three millennial guys, and, and, the, and I said, okay, they haven't been doing it. I've, I've taught them already. They haven't been doing it, Right? So I said, okay, this time, uh, we're meeting right now. We're going to do it right now. Okay? What, what, what are we going to do? You're going to mute your mic. We're meeting in Zoom. And then I said, you're going to mute your mic and call the person on your list. And they objected. Pastor, this is going to be very awkward. You know, people don't just, you know, call people and, and they would think it's an emergency. Let them think it's an emergency. It is urgent. Right? <laughs> you're going to share them about the most important thing. And you're going to pray for them. I mean, who, who, I mean, even atheists or agnostics would, won't mind to be prayed for, right? And so they did. And at the beginning, they were very fearful. But then I was seeing their faces while, they, while they're talking to their person. And they were, they were having fun. You see, we, sometimes we, we have a defeated attitude. Sometimes we are not really expecting for God to work in our lives. And you know that one of the reasons because, for, for that kind of perspective is because we're not living for Him. We're pursuing the things, our own things. We're pursuing our own dreams, our own ambitions. And we forget that He has created us, redeemed us for His praise, for His glory, for His purpose. And so they did that. And I hope that that they would continue to develop, cultivate the discipline of God. Can, Can I challenge you to do that, guys? God has given you a lot of people around you. And maybe they're not unengaged, unreached people. Maybe they have heard, but have you prayed for them? Have you? One of the best ways we can show love and kindness to people is to bring them to the throne of grace, to pray with them. Pray with them. You, as a child of God, you have access to God, audience to God, the people around us. 
who aren't children of God yet, we can bring them into the presence of God by praying for them. And what is better than praying with them? Oh, sorry, praying for them is praying with them. And it's free. Guys, you don't need to spend anything. <laughs> you call them up randomly. Try it. Just try it. Just try it. And sure, there will be people like, bro, can you please not do this again to me? <laughs> it's okay. Then don't call him again, right? Just keep praying for him and wait. There, there will come a time when God will cultivate that person's heart. But you see, you want to create a space in your life that helps you cultivate a perspective of this life is going to be lived entirely for him. Not partially for him. God is not looking for people who are partially committed to him. No, he is looking for people who are fully committed to him. And the writer of Chronicles said, God is looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him. These people he's going to fully support. Fully support. The Apostle Paul being fully supported by God. Why? Because he's walking in Christ by living for Christ. Everybody say, for Christ. Second, to walk in him, to live in him, is to walk and live with him. Everybody say, with him. He wants us to develop an intimate relationship with him. You guys remember the time when Jesus called his disciples? He called to him, in, in, I think this is Mark 3, he called to him those whom he wanted so that they would be with him and so that he would send them out to preach and to do this, all these other things. And um, you notice that in that phrase, what, what, what uh, Mark said about that time, the first reason why Jesus called his disciples is so that they would be with him. Brothers and sisters, I don't know, I'm talking to people, a lot of you are serving in the ministry and doing a lot of things for him already. But remember, our first calling is to be with him. To enjoy a relationship with him. To cultivate intimacy with Jesus. He is a person He's our life, he's a person, and we can actually enjoy a relationship with him. To communicate with God, to pray, that's the greatest privilege in life. To be able to talk to God who created everything. Brothers and sisters, if prayer feels like an obligation, I mean, it's okay, it's perfectly fine. But I pray that you would learn the reality, the prayer is the greatest privilege that we have. It is. Being able to talk to Him, being able to hear from Him through His Word, the Spirit alive in us, illuminating what He says. It's our greatest privilege. One of the skills, again, the, the disciplines, one of the ten disciplines that I teach, I, I think I shared with you, is praying with our eyes open. I teach them, okay? I, want to, I know you know how to pray with your eyes closed, but now I want to teach you how to pray with your eyes open. And why do I want them to learn how to pray with their eyes open? So that they know whatever it is they're doing, they can also be praying. Right? Guys, that's what we want. Whatever you do, you're making coffee in the morning, <laughs> you're praying, you're praising, you're thanking, you're confessing, you're having this consistent, consciousness 
of His presence in your life. You, you shoot bread prayers when you're driving, you're praying, you're... So pray with your eyes open. When do, can we do that right now? Just say, Lord, thank you for today. Let's go. There you go. So it's okay. You know, I, I, I realize the value of... Uh, I realize actually the, the reason why I learned how to pray with my eyes closed. And it's because I'm teaching now our four-year-old to pray. And it's very difficult for her to focus. Right? So we say, Yasha, close your eyes, put your hands together. Because otherwise he's, be, he's going to be, you know. But guys, we can also pray with our eyes open. And the reason why you want to learn that is because you want to be conscious of his presence all the time. You want to be talking to God all the time. Because the moment you cease talking to God, that's the moment that you can do a lot of silly things, as is true in my life, right? I forget that God is here with me, and then I, I go off in the flesh. I respond in the flesh. Someone does something to me, and I respond in the flesh. But if I am aware of His presence in me, then I ask, Lord, what are you doing right now? What do you want me to say to this person who's hurt me? And it's easier to forgive. It's actually easier to live a life blessing people when the God who wishes to bless everyone is living in you and you're aware of it. So walking in Him is not only living and walking for Him, it's learning how to live and walk with Him. And when you say with Him, with Jesus, as you're learning to walk and live with Jesus, that means you're learning how to live and walk under His authority. This is, what it, this is what is required for us to live by faith. His authority. You see, Jesus died not so we would no longer die. No, Jesus died so that we can die with Him. But of the two of us who dies, He gives only one person the right to live again. And it's not you. It's Him. He is in charge. And we have to learn how to willingly live, joyfully live under His authority. And guys, it's amazing because this is something that Jesus Himself modeled to us. Did you guys know that? That Jesus came when during His incarnation, the, the, the eternal God coming in the flesh, taking on the flesh, He he became like you and me, human in every way. And how did he model living as human? He was living under God's authority. Remember Jesus saying, the Son cannot do anything. For, the Son has, is, I'm not living under my own authority. I'm living under the Father's authority. He models to us what it means to live as a human being designed in his image, walking and bearing and, and, and having his spirit with him. So live, learn to live under his authority. Are you familiar with the things that Jesus has already commanded? Sometimes a lot of people, you know, they, they're not hearing from the Lord. They, they don't know how to live under his authority because the, the things that Jesus has already said, they, they're not even aware. They don't know. So we have to grow in the knowledge of his word, you know. In the, in the Philippines, our church network, 
we would wake up every five in the morning and meet and gather together every day. Every day at five. That's the kind of church. That we, church was not a weekly activity for Church was our family. It's our life. We, we do things together. We eat a lot together. We go to prison, to hospitals together. We pray together so profusely. And then we came here and said, okay, how, how do we make this happen? How, how, can we, how can we develop and cultivate this kind of culture? And then we realized it's very difficult because everyone's busy. Some, some people have two jobs, you know, and people are living far away. I'm like, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm looking for this kind of community that I would, I would meet with people this frequently. And you know what happened? When the pandemic hit and online meetings become, has started to become the norm, you know, long story short, there's a group of people we started to disciple, my wife and I, and now they're meeting every single day, every day, Monday to Friday. And then the weekends, they meet in person. Monday to Friday, they meet online to read God's Word, pray together, share life, do life together. It's amazing. It's amazing. God has given us the resources that we need to actually walk with Him, for Him, to live in Him. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. The very resources that Jesus had to live out the life that He showed us are the resources that He has given all of us today. Did you guys know that? The very resources that Jesus lived, utilized to the full, are the very resources that we have today. What are those? The Word of God, prayer, the Spirit of God. What else do we need? Tell me, what else? We have everything that we need in Him. Third, and in connection with this, the way that we are going to live in Him is to learn how to live through Him. Through Him. Remember that. The Christian life is neither easy nor difficult. It's impossible for you to do. But Jesus has done it. And he is going to continue, he is eager to continue living out his life in and through you. But we have to do it by faith. We have to keep trusting him. We have to keep learning how to live under his authority. We have to learn how to isolate his voice from the rest of. Did you know there's four voices? There's always four voices in your head. You, the decisions and the actions that you're taking, they're always influenced by either or, or, or a combination of these voices. What are these voices? Yourself, the flesh's voice, the enemy's voice, the world's voice, other people's voices. Sometimes we're living you know, to please people or being pressured by what other people think. We make decisions based on what other people think. So we, we're influenced by the voice of other people. And finally, the voice of the Holy Spirit. We have to learn how to isolate the voice of God that leads us. And the way we do that is to be familiar with His Word. The way we do that is to meditate in His Word day and night. It involves memorizing His words. It involves mentioning His words, sharing His words, and living it out through Him. Remember, the life that we have been given is a person, Jesus Christ. And finally, 
Finally, to walk and live in Him is to walk and live like Him. And this is the verse that's in your bulletin right now, 1 John 2.6. That verse, in that verse, the Apostle John, he was aged at this time. He says, whoever claims to be in Him, that's you and me, you're here, I'm supposing we're all professing that we are in Him, right? We are Christians, we have received Him, we have surrendered ourselves to Him, we have decided that we, are, we have reckoned to ourselves that we are sinners and we have received Him as our Savior and Lord, we are in Him. The Apostle John says, whoever claims to be in Him must walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. If you have a different translation, it would read, he must live as Jesus lived. You see? And for a long time, for a long time, it was a difficult thing for me to understand. How is it, how am I going to live like Jesus? Right? And if you're like me before, your thoughts would be, oh, it's because I cannot live like Jesus because he's God and I'm not. Well, that's right. He is God. You're not. But that's the very point of the incarnation. The very point of the incarnation. In the following weeks, you're going to be talking about Philippians. And in that letter, there's this amazing hymn that Paul sang where it says, he, based on your translation, he emptied himself. And, and I'll give you a preview of what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that Jesus, there was a time when, that Jesus wasn't God. He is eternally God from ages past. When he was here during the incarnation, he was 100% God. 100%. But he wasn't just 100% God during the incarnation, was, was he? He was also 100% man. Fully God, fully human. One person, two nature. He's not part God, he's not part man. He's fully God, completely God, completely human. And the only way it's possible is what theologians call the veiling of his divinity. The veiling of his divinity. He had the divine privilege that he chose not to use to live like you and me. He did not cease. He did not lose his divinity or parts of his divinity. He was fully God and yet he chose never to live more than man. That's the kind of life we see in Jesus. So, how did he live his life? Well, the very things that I, I mentioned earlier. He lived his life through the very resources that are now available to us. Prayer, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. And that is why here, very aptly, how beautiful, very, in a very short statement, he captures all those. You have received him already, and how did you receive him? You have received him by faith. There's nothing that you did. You receive him by faith. Everything that God does for you, the gift that he gives you, we receive it by faith. Not of our merit. Not of anything we're going to be able to do. We're not supposed to repay that because we can't. It's all by grace, and we receive that by faith. We received him by faith. And now, he's saying, now, walk in Him. Walk in the person whom you have received. Learn how to live for Him. Learn how to live through Him. Learn how to live with Him. And learn how to live like Him. Like Him. So, Pastor, are you saying 
that we're going to be able to do the things that Jesus did. No. This is what Jesus said. <clears throat> truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and they will do even greater works than this. Did you guys know that Jesus said that? He said, whoever believes in him will not only do the works that Jesus did, will do even greater works than him. Why? Because he himself will dwell in us through the Spirit of God. Jesus promised that to his disciples. I will go, but I will send you the, another helper of the exact same kind. Because it's the very Spirit also that was living in Jesus, guiding him, empowering him to do not what he wants to do, but to do what God wants him to do. The same is true with us. Guys, we're not talking about you being able to do whatever you want to do. No. God is going to empower you and give you whatever you need to do what he wants you to do. Do you believe that? You have to. You have to. That's the only way that we can start learning how to live and walk like Jesus. We have to trust Him. We have to believe that whatever it is that He said and promised, it's true. He's going to do it. Faithful is He who has called us. He is going to do it. He's the one who gives us the power and He's the, one, he's the breath in our lungs. He's, you know, that... that um, that verse in Genesis, God giving his breath. It's not a, it's not a, it, the picture is God blowing, you know, have you ever um, made a campfire, bonfire, right? At the beginning, you know, you're trying to, to really, and what you do is you blow into it. <laughs> That's the picture. That's another song we sang, right? We blow into flame. That's, that's what, what God can do in your life if you, you'd let Him. He wants you to live for Him. He wants you to experience what it really means to live. And guys, it's tricky for us because when we were born and as we were growing up, maybe if you're like me, I, no, no one taught me how to live. No one taught me that the real life that God intended for me is the very life that Jesus modeled for us. A life lived entirely in Him, for Him, by Him, with Him. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. Would you, would you dare believe Jesus in what He said? That when you believe in Him, you're, you're going to be able to do the things that He did. The work that He did. It's going to be yours. Why? It's very logical. Because the same person lives in you. It's the same priorities, the same values, the same things that Jesus did before. He's going to do it now if you'd let him. The work of Jesus, guys, is the work of making disciples. That's the work that he has called all of us to do. And that's the work that he promised us, I'm going to be with you as you do this. Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, behold, I'm with you. Make sure of it. Be confident. I am going to be with you. Guys, I want, I want us to experience the presence of God in our lives. And it's going to happen as we commit ourselves to live entirely for Him. 
to live with Him, to live through Him, and to live like Him. To embrace and adopt the same priorities of Jesus. That's the life that we are called to. That's our privilege. That's our privilege. So that once again, we're going to bear His image and people look at us and they would know what God is like. They would experience your love, your kindness, the justice, the righteousness, the holiness, and they are going to see what God is like. That's our purpose, isn't it? That's our very purpose. And we get to live this life for the rest of eternity. But you don't have to wait until you die. Right now, you have that life. You have that ability to be able to live this way, alive in our unity with Jesus. What a glorious thing that He has redeemed us. He has died for us, not just so He would forgive us of our sins. He died to cleanse us of our sins so that once again, you would become His holy habitation, the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That's the reason why. He wants to live in you. He wants to reveal Himself through you. But we have to learn how to do it. Walk in Him. Father God of heaven, Lord, we thank you. This is an exciting thing that you are reminding us. Thank you because you have granted us, you have made the way for us and restored us back to life through your very life. And now we get to learn how to walk in you, to live in you, by living for you, living through you and with you, and living just like you. Thank you, Lord, that whatever it is that's happening in our midst, you remain on your throne. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. And you have mandated us to live this life with a purpose. We pray that we would learn. We pray that we would learn how to carry our cross daily and reckon ourselves dead, to renounce all things and to recognize you as the owner and ruler of all. You are king, Lord, and like what Pastor Dennis prayed earlier, teach us how to live as kingdom citizens. Your church here as a kingdom colony on earth, teach us, Lord, how to live and train us how to walk like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.